I had to learn to talk about the little things when they're little. Don't hold it in because when we hold it in and we don't talk and we're trying to keep the peace. Welcome to Finding Your Spark again. I am so pleased to have with me here today Anne Visser, who is a life coach specializing in communication and relationships. I know it will be of great value to all of you. Welcome, Anne. Thank you so much, Donna Lynn, for having me on the Finding Your Spark Again podcast. I'm really happy to meet you. I've been following along, so I'm excited to be here today and, and add value to your people and your audience. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's great. I um, When I saw your website, I thought, well, isn't this just the place where people get off course so easily in terms of trying to find joy is in relationships, right? So uh, I let's let's start with that. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think we get off course because we think it should be easy. Love should just come naturally. Communication. I mean, we've been communicating since we were about two. So shouldn't we be experts at it by now? And we're not taught these transferable skills that are so essential for everything in our life, whatever it is we do. They're not soft skills. They're transferable skills. As I recently heard somebody say, we need them at home. We need them with our family, extended family. We need them at work. So wherever we go, we need to be able to communicate effectively in the way that we lead and influence people, everything that we do. And so it is easy to get off course because to some degree, we think we should be good at it when we're really not very good at it at all. Yeah, so in my experience, the precursor to good communication is awareness of self. So let's talk a little bit about that and how, how does that play into what we're what we're doing and where do we start? You are talking my language, Donalyn. <laughs> Awareness of self. And so I can I tell you a little bit of our story and then come into that? Because this is exactly why we ran into trouble in our own marriage and why I do what I do. Um, yes, yes, yeah. I can't wait to hear it. So I shamelessly chased this young man. I was only 15, Donalyn, much too young to be chasing somebody, but I was. <laughs> And I just wanted I, I, I want to just before you even go anywhere with that, I totally chased my husband. Totally. <laughs> totally. I was like, that's the one. I found him. No, all I'm going to do is hunt him. <laughs> yeah, didn't work I, out the first time either. Oh, it we didn't. had to do it twice. No, nope, we had to do it twice. Oh, anyway. fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, I really, I really wanted a date. This young man was different. I was fascinated. I was curious. I wanted to learn everything about him. So long before we started dating, I was asking him questions and learning more about who he was, what was important to him, what was driving him. He was a leader in our school. I was so curious. And so uh, three, about, oh, about four or five months later, I did get a date. It took me some time. <laughs> And then three years later, we married, and the photographer said to us on our wedding day, I've never seen a couple look at each other the way the two of you look at each other. We had that spark that you're talking about, Donalyn. Yeah. And then one month after we were married, I was very sick on the couch. I was um, expecting our first and really sick for months and couldn't eat anything. So this is not a good way to start marriage. <laughs> 
And then we had five kids in six years. And my husband was new to farm life. And so you combine this busy farm life with this busy family life. And those are external pressures. And then we had these internal pressures that we didn't know how to communicate what was happening to us. We didn't know how to conflict well. We hadn't created any healthy systems is kind of what we do, right? It's not very romantic, but that's what we do in relationship. We create these systems for how we communicate, how we fight, um, how we spend our money, uh, if, if we're people of faith and how we, how we express that. But we didn't have any of the skills that we needed to be able to talk about what was happening. And so it created this emotional distance in our marriage. And I have a friend that calls it creeping separateness. And I thought, yeah, that's what it felt like. It just kind of creeped up on us because we had this amazing love story. And then it all came crashing down so badly that on a particular night, it was a date night and we sat in our farm truck. My husband's a farmer. And we were outside our favorite restaurant and I was at the end of my rope and, and I said to him, I can't do this anymore. And he looked at me and he said, what do you mean you can't do this anymore? And I said, I, I can't do marriage like this anymore. And as I poured out my unhappiness, he, he heard me and for the first time in a long time, he shared how unhappy he was. And I missed that. I missed his pain. I think because I was in so much pain myself and because I was caring for all these needs with these little ones. And that night we said, we're going to get the help that we need in order to get better. And that started me on a journey of self-discovery and him as well. And then us together, because there's three parts to that, right? There's his journey, there's my journey, but then there's our journey together. And so that self-awareness was just so key for me. I didn't know myself well enough to tell him what I was feeling, what I was thinking, what I wanted. I was a slow processor. I'm a people pleaser. I'm a conflict avoider. I'm a peace lover. I, I just was avoiding all of that. And so that's a skill to be able to identify. This is how I feel. This is what I want. I didn't know how to do that. So in part of my recovery was learning how, who I, who am I? And to be able then to learn how to express that to him without destroying him, because we can do that in a way that destroys the other person too. Right. And so then that's the, the next part of it. How do I express, you know, that I'm not happy here in this place or that you're not meeting my needs without completely destroying you and to be able to get a better result. And so this put us on a huge journey of, of self-discovery and of couple discovery as well to learn how to communicate better and more effectively. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. There are several points in there that I'd really like to kind of dive into with you. One is this concept of fight rules, right? This was something I had to learn in my marriage, right? That there were certain things that were triggers that would create a, a really um, an atmosphere where you just, you can't win. Nobody can win in this conversation because you've amped it up so much through language that there's no, there's no pathway. Um, and really we had to learn that we learned that through therapy, right? So we had to learn that 
by finding out like, oh, there is this basis of love and there is this basis where we want to communicate with each other. But when we're in the throes of anger, when the, when the energy and the adrenaline is coursing through your body, that you still have to be riding that horse, right? That still has to be you in charge of that you that is there who wants to scream at everybody. Um, and, and that's a really, um, that's a, a skill you have to practice for, for many people. Absolutely. Being able to manage our own emotions in the midst of feeling triggered or being able then to say, okay, I need a break. I, get, I call it a timeout. I need a timeout. <laughs> Give myself a timeout <laughs> because I, I know that I need some space here. Either to think about what's happening or to think about my internal world to be able to understand that better because I've been triggered here. So um, that was important for me to be able to do is just to say in the midst of that, I need a break, but then to be able to, then I learned that I couldn't just walk away. That wasn't working. That upset him because he didn't know, okay, well, is this finished? Are we going to come back to this? What's going to happen next? Oh, I can remember one time I thought he was leaving me when he did that. Yeah, right. Slow processor. And I never was. I was always like this, right? I was like, oh my God, he's leaving me. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. Oh, Donald, I just admire fast processors because I am one of those slow processors. So I'm the one that needs to say, oh, timeout. I need a timeout. And, and then, but then I had to say, okay, can we come back to this in 30 minutes? Because we know that when the body gets upset like that, it takes about 30 minutes to kind of settle down that physiologically, like our blood pressure rises, our heartbeat rises, and that makes us really tired. And so we need the body to settle down. And then we need the mind to, to kick into gear, like that thinking brain that, that needs to kick into gear so we can be a little more logical instead of just the, the emotional brain. And then, but make a date to come back so that my husband would know that, yeah, I'm not walking out the door here. I'm just needing a timeout. So that was a big lesson for me to learn. Another big lesson to learn for me was timing. <laughs> He'd be walking out the door. I'd be, but, but, but... <laughs> about this and he's trying to get to work or he's trying to get out the door to an appointment or something like that and I had to learn that timing was important and then late at night that's not a good time to talk about these things I remember we would go around and around and around and not get anywhere because it was late at night we were both tired neither of us are in our right mind when it's late at night and so it needed to take a time out to, to break and then come back to it again the next day. So, yeah, um, it's so important to uh, to be aware of what's happening inside and then being able to give yourself a timeout when you're being triggered. But then also to know the other person. We all know those hot button issues that we can press and we can just get it like that. And it can be so satisfying sometimes. In the in the worst way, it can. For some people, I think some people are yellers like me. I'm a yeller, so it would be it, you know you would get that reaction. But my husband was someone who internalized, and so you would just lose him for a few days if you decided that you wanted to push that button. So the, there was really no desire to 
to push in that direction for me, you know, because you just, you made life so much harder when, when you went in that direction. Thank you for saying that you make life so much harder because we can do that to ourselves. It doesn't necessarily have to be hard, but we can do that to ourselves when we push those hot buttons of our partner needlessly. Now, sometimes we have to enter into a conversation that we know is not going to be, we know it's going to be hard, but we know that it needs to be had. And I had to learn that I had to start that with care and compassion. And I remember a time when we were dealing with something that was coming up again and again. I didn't understand it. I didn't know what it was, but I knew that I was triggering it, though I didn't know how. And I, because I knew it wasn't about me, I was like, you talk to the hand. This is not about me. You figure this out. And I never said that to him, but that was my attitude. And he picked that up, Donnelly. We communicate without words. And I was communicating to him, like, this is your problem. You deal with it. And it wasn't until I decided. I remember the day I was standing in our bedroom and I thought, I am not going to fight about this anymore. And that decision put me into a place of curiosity. I had to make that decision every time he was triggered again to say, to myself, I'm not going to fight about this. <laughs> breathe, breathe. This is where your tools come in. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Because when, when they're being triggered, it's easy for us to jump into defense mode. It's not my fault. It's not my problem. But I remember that care and compassion. It didn't work right away, by the way, because I had had a track record of not caring or it appeared that I didn't care because of my attitude and I had to build trust in him I had to rebuild that trust in him that I do care and so once he started to get the picture that oh she does care he started to open up about what was really going on inside of him it took a very long time to figure that out and in the end, it turned out that it was emotional abandonment that he was feeling. And I never, ever would have gotten there from where we started that surface, those surface issues that we were fighting about. I never, ever would have gotten to the bottom of that. Neither he, would he if I hadn't have started to care about what was happening in him and then begin to listen and ask questions in a caring way to help him get to the bottom. I, I really think that in marriage, there's a lot of opportunity to heal from our past when we can approach it that way. It was hard, but it was um, incredible. It's taken us to where we are today. It was like walking through a desert and a wilderness, but it was a, we were able to get to a place where we are today, 42 years later, more passionately in love than we were back then uh, when we first met. So you kind of come back to this sense of awareness. And my experience with, with people uh, in terms of trying to raise their awareness and using communication at the same time is that often they feel like they do know the problem. They know what their internal problem is. They're like, I am aware and this is the problem. And they do one of two things. They either freeze and they go like, okay, we're just going to see if this will go away. Or they 
for lack of a better way of saying it, kind of puke everywhere. You know what I mean? They just are always on about the thing, pointing at the problem. Um, and, and they're certain that they're aware that what's happening in them is that I have a need that's not being met in this, in this way, blah, 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 right? This specific thing. But I think there is a different kind of awareness that you're talking about here. And that's an awareness that is beyond the awareness of the moment and even beyond the awareness of the relationship. So that when we're raising awareness, we're really raising it to our body, mind, and spirit. So we're, it's, it's a big thing. It's a really big thing. And words, I find, don't really do it justice, right? People are like, yeah, yeah, I got you. Body, mind, and spirit. We got this. You know? It's just, ah, let's slow down. <laughs> what exactly is the spirit? You know? I mean, if you really slow it down and have a different sense of awareness is what I hear in your story that you were willing to do over a period of time. Can you just talk a little bit more about that? The first thing that comes to my mind when you ask that question is, I remember the day that I learned that when someone is triggered, it's an opportunity. I'm going to put that in air quotes for anybody that's listening to the podcast. Opportunity. We're going to put it on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> As they say, that's a tweetable. <laughs> when somebody is, when I'm triggered, it's an opportunity for me to go within and to find out, to discover what, what something deeper is happening, what what was that overreaction about? What was really going on here? So that um, someone else being triggered uh, was an opportunity for me to be curious and to get curious. And it's the hardest thing in the world because we want to fight back. And, and I like to call that right fighters. You mentioned that earlier, Donalyn. And and that's what I was, and that's what I was doing, and that wasn't working for us, by the way. No. And I, I say no. that it, being it's... right, nobody cares about being right because we all want it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I had to move back from being that right fighter because I was right. It wasn't about me, but I was wrong in the way that I was approaching him, in the sense that I wasn't caring. And so, see, understanding that that triggering that was an opportunity for me to get to know him better. And so I say that conflict is the doorway to intimacy, as in into me you see. So that's an opportunity for me to see into him, for him to see into me, and for me to see into me. And so when that triggering was happening, it's only by staying in a, in a state of curiosity as hard as it is, as hard as it is not to fight back and not to be right. And that's what I say in, to my people, you know, number one in pivotal conversations, check emotions. So stay in a state of curiosity. That's number two, like when you're communicating and clarifying where you are, um, stay in that state of help me understand. I love that phrase. Help me understand. Because as soon as I said that, I'm, I'm sure you can kind of feel that in your body. It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> she's on my side. Or this one really helps me. I don't say it out loud, but I try to move into that track of, I wonder. So I wonder why he's overreacting here. I wonder what he's feeling. I wonder what she's experiencing right now. I wonder what's in the past that is is challenging us right here in this in this conversation so 
I think staying in that state of curiosity and staying in that state of wonder. And when I feel myself slipping out of that, I try to pull myself back. But the only way I can do that is if I have checked my emotions in the beginning. And I say that pivotal conversations, they often come up over and over and over again. So frequently there is opportunity to sit and have a little bit of space to reflect. And I like to journal. I, that really helps my slow processor get into gear. I like to journal. What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What is troubling me here? Because it's not always this surface issue. Sometimes it's much deeper. And when I can get to that, what is troubling me here? And then I'm better equipped to actually say what needs to be said in a pivotal conversation and to communicate that clearly. And even I find when I know what's going on inside of me, I'm better able to manage my emotions in the middle of a conversation because I already know what's going on and what's happening for me. So I can better able listen to the other person. By the way, one of my favorite quotes is by um, David Osberger. He says, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they're almost indistinguishable. Isn't that powerful? Yeah, it's very powerful. Yeah, powerful. It really is. And yeah. I think listening is so underrated and just, we are so volatile today and we're not listening to each other and we need each other to solve the problems that leaders need to solve in today's world. We need each other to work together to solve these problems. So we need to listen. And it's amazing what the farmer can bring to the table and what he knows today about like he knows about world markets. He knows about technology, his tractor. I could drive his tractor. That's what I say to him, Donalyn, <laughs> because it's all computerized. He knows so much about the world around him that he can add to the conversation, whatever it is you're talking about. And that's the same for everyone in, in their genres and what they know. There's so much that we know and that we need to listen to one another to solve the problems in today's world. Yeah. 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 You're reminding me of a time when, uh, my late husband and I discovered that we were each running our own movie and we were movie watchers. So this was a, a metaphor that we could really grab onto and that like, I'm in my movie and you're in your movie and then you come along and you want to have some deep, meaningful conversation. I'm running my movie over here. So that sort of sense of like, how do I, how do I ask for the person to show up in this in this way where they're not running their movie and I'm not running my movie and we're sort of finding a new thing together, even in this 10 minutes, right? Like it's, it's not like uh, this is our life choice. It's that, you know, we already made that when we got married or when we, uh, you know, were remained close as siblings or whatever relationship you're working in, right? Um, uh, so, so that's a, that's another piece of that awareness puzzle to be able to just say, I, I want you to show up in this way for me where you can listen. Let's find a time to do that as opposed to, uh, but I need to know, I need to know now, but like you said, we're going to bed. Come on. It's time to talk about our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I love that you bring up this word pivotal. Mm. Um, in 
in my work, we talk a lot about pivoting, right? So because my work really is between you and you, right? It's between uh, you as how you feel like as a person and your larger context within yourself, right? So that sense of soul or spirit, right? And that's the relationship. When we work on that relationship, we can really easily access happiness and joy because it's not dependent on the world. You don't need your husband to be listening for that one. <laughs> he can if he wants to. He'll catch, the, he'll catch you on after a while. Um, but uh, so, so that idea of taking time with yourself is, is when we talk about it in my practice, you're taking time with yourself to say, this is where I am. I'm angry, I'm irritated, I'm, I'm frustrated, I'm tired of doing the same thing over and over again. Whatever that, that thing is that is not going well for you. Uh, and how am I going to work with myself to pivot that into a place where I can have some positive expectation, right? Because you can't reach for joy when you're in any of those states, right? Because it's like joy is not happening. <laughs> you're, you're too far away. I, I like to visualize it as a roadmap, right? It's like you got to get in the car and drive for a while before you can get there. <laughs> yes. And uh, so... So what's interesting about your use of that word and my experience with that word is that it feels like you're talking about the conversations in which our relationship could pivot to a different point. Yes, exactly. And we have these conversations every single day because I like to, first of all, I love that you're talking about the internal world because I think we try to change our partner, our location, our job, all that external stuff. And that doesn't bring joy. Yeah. Quite often I, I when I ask people, uh, how do you, how do you find joy? They say, oh, I go for a run or I, you know, I do a thing. I eat a thing. I participate in the world and I meditate. I right, uh, like we can make it pretty etheric and it's still a thing we're doing. And, and that joy needs to come from inside. So I love that you're talking about that. And so how I like to think about pivotal conversations is I, um, our conversation in the truck was a big pivotal conversation on our date night um, because something wasn't working. So I like to think about pivotal conversations. The goal is to create some shift or change because in some way something is not working. So they're going to require some degree of either honesty or vulnerability, which I kind of differentiate between the two of those. So if we're at work, it's going to make, require some honesty, but maybe not a whole lot of vulnerability because it's going to be different for different people. Whereas if it's with our intimate partner, it's going to require some more vulnerability. Um, and so what I really love about pivotal conversations are it brings clarity either to me as a person, to both of us or to the relationship or the situation. So it, it could even be like a conversation that you have with a colleague at work because they hang around your desk a whole lot and you're not able to get your work done and you end up staying late for work and you know there are people at home waiting for you. And so that's a pivotal conversation because there's a shift that's needed uh, in your workplace in the way that they're hanging out at your desk. And so another pivotal conversation might be that you have at home because someone has lost a job. That would be a bigger pivotal conversation because you have to adjust the, the budget because um, you don't have the same income coming in. 
that would be a larger pivotal conversation. But I'm noticing that we have these conversations every single day in some way. My husband came home um, half an hour ago and said, coffee? <laughs> I said, I have 15 minutes and then I'm going to meet Donna Lynn. <laughs> There's just a little bit of a pivotal conversation, right? He has an expectation and it's like, well, this is what I can do. And such clear communication, such clear communication about it. He, he asked if you were willing to stop running your movie for a minute and had the mental capacity and emotional capacity to show up in his movie for a minute, right? And you had a choice that you could make at that moment. And you made it clear that it was not based on whether you loved him or not. That's right. right? It wasn't like, I don't have time for you. <laughs> That's right. And even I, I said to him, Donald, only because I'm ready. <laughs> I I was ready. I, I I did my homework. I listened to your podcast. I I had your emails. I was ready to I was ready to go. So to make that clear too for next time, right? When I'm hopping on a podcast, if I'm not ready, it may take me longer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Clear, clear. So, but a little pivotal conversation, but so important. And so I love to think about these because my people are extraordinarily kind and very agreeable. And so they want to keep the peace. And so they hesitate to be clear in their communication and to enter into even a small pivotal conversation because I might be disappointing him or I might be disappointing myself. And so I like to make it really clear that pivotal conversations, again, are an opportunity to be able to connect because I really believe that, that relationships are all about our ability to be able to connect with each other. And we drew that through effective communication. I think there is a definite, definite correlation between not having those small conversations, not being willing to raise our own awareness and then raise that awareness within the context of our relationships that really leads to severing relationships, right? You, you feel like I have no choice. I've been showing up. I've been trying to make this thing work for X amount of time. I'm tired of trying to make it work. We're done. And, and the other person is like, what do you mean you've been trying? We, I didn't even know there was an issue, <laughs> you know? Yes, exactly. And I like, I like to say to my people, keep short accounts. And we had to learn that lesson. It was a hard lesson to learn uh, because I'm a recovering people pleaser. I had to learn to talk about the little things when they're little. Don't hold it in because when we hold it in and we don't talk and we're trying to keep the peace because we don't want to hurt somebody. I hear my people say that I don't want to hurt them. We hurt them more by not having those little conversations because we build resentment inside and then we become this volcanic, volcanic um, explosion that happens. And you're right. They're wondering like, what just happened? I didn't even know we had a problem. <laughs> yeah. What's going on here? In yeah. fact, Michelle Werner Davis calls them, she calls women the walkaway wife syndrome. She identified that women will stay they'll leave emotionally long before they actually leave physically and they'll set things up so that they're ready to leave uh, because we don't talk about these little things that can then build up and and instead of dealing with them when they're smaller so keep short accounts so that they don't become bigger issues so that you're walking out the door deal with them when they're smaller yeah these are such great um foundational concepts that you're talking about. So 
you know, when we're talking about creating happiness within relationships of any kind, uh, it really takes that foundational work. I think a lot of times people think they can kind of swoop into their coworker relationships or their home relationships or whatever it is and go like, now I'm happy. Let's do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there's, there's this sense that there's, um, First of all, there's some sweeping to do, right? When you've been in the relationship for a while, but even if there wasn't that, that uh, that inner work that we do on ourselves is what really allows us to have these, to set the bricks down for the foundation of those relationships. And then from there, we can really springboard up, right? We can bring that joy within ourselves we can bring that happiness into our relationships and we bring it we bring it right we don't we don't have to rely on other people for this in fact we can't rely on other people they are unreliable well and it's our own life it's our own inner right. work and so they That's can't right. they don't even know what's going on um so they can't even it's not their job it's not their work to do it's that's it's right my, my work to do my inner work and and they're unreliable because, sorry to interrupt, but I, I think to clarify kind of what I meant by that is important. I, I feel like they're, they're unreliable because the how they're going to take us, how they're going to respond to us, how they're going to be in relationship with us is dependent on how we show up, right? So if we're showing up in this way that has expectation of stress and strife or irritation and frustration, then you, they are actually reliable. <laughs> They're just not reliable to put you in a good mood. They're reliable to, to meet you where you are for the most part, uh, even when that where you are is really buried and you're unaware of it. So true, darling. If I'm sowing anger, I'm going to reap that, right? If I'm sowing defensiveness, I'm going to reap that. I, I'm experienced in all of these things. <laughs> I'm only speaking from experience. So this is an important thing, actually, that you're bringing up, even though we're giggling. Um, and, and, and the importance of it is you practiced, right? We all practice. We have mm -hmm. all practiced anger. We've all practiced mm -hmm. irritation. We've all practiced uh, annoyance, right? In our relationships. Yes. But Impatience. that means that in order, yeah, there you go. There you go. Another one. People like yeah. to practice that, but mm -hmm. that practice piece of it means we have to understand that if we want to reach for peace, love, kindness, uh, juiciness, real, like real fun in a relationship, a place that is joyous, then we're going to have to practice. And the other person's going to have to practice and we're going to have to practice together. And then we get somewhere. Yes. I love mm. that, Donald. And mm. I think that's so true. And then, and that comes back to the awareness again. Like if I don't know what's going on inside of me and then I react instead of respond and start from a good place of, um, of that joy and that peace and that calm then I can bring that peace and calm to the table when I'm practicing that. And I, and then I can even be more aware of when I've kind of slipped out of that. I slipped out of that earlier this week, Donna Lynn, and I had to do some work. I call it my thinking chair. I had to go to my thinking chair and process through what, what is going on here. It was a bigger thing, right? And when it's bigger, it can kind of catch us unaware or it can kind of, um, you know, some of the tools that you have in your toolbox, you have to kind of pull out all the tools <laughs> in the toolbox. 
And I had to do that this week because what I was bringing to the table was all of this upset that I was feeling inside of me. And so it's so important to have multiple tools too, to be able to understand the, what we're bringing because sometimes um, we need all the tools. I think you bring up a very important point with this in that uh, you're, you've been practicing a long time. And I think sometimes when people hear, oh, I could have a happy relationship. Oh, I could have a joyous day. They think that that means that there's no upset in life. Like, yes, you're never going to be upset again. <laughs> Not, not really, right? Because our lives are full. Our lives are full. Uh, that, um, I remember a conversation that I had with my daughter once. We were sitting at the kitchen table, and I hadn't done my prep work. And I knew I needed to have a conversation with somebody about boundaries. And I said to my daughter, I just don't trust them. I didn't say it like that. I, said, I just don't trust them. <laughs> and my daughter looked at me. She was an adult and she looked at me and she said, Mom, that's awful. You need to check that. Don't you love it when you're these older people, <laughs> older young people speak into your life? And I knew as soon as it was out of my mouth, I knew I had a problem, right? Like the words, the way they were spoken. I just knew. And so I went back to my thinking chair to journal through. Okay, you got a problem here. What's going on? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? And I recognized I was stuck back in 2005 when I had had a challenge with this person. But they weren't there anymore. They had moved on. They had grown. And I, my emotions were still stuck back in back in history and I know that if I had have had that conversation before I had I had done my thinking work that and journaling that I would have sabotaged that pivotal conversation it was about setting boundaries with them that conversation was so easy after checking my emotions knowing where I was then going in it was short it was easy it was simple but I knew I needed to do the work before I sat down I was so grateful to my daughter that she kind of did a check like she did the heart check mom <laughs> do do yeah. that thing yeah <laughs> yeah hey you're not living how you talk what's going no, on here <laughs> no absolutely another opportunity right uh yeah. when somebody kind of helps you with that heart check get get that done <laughs> i love that I love that. Well, I feel like we could talk all day and I would love to actually do that. But uh, for the podcast, we keep it short. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you've got going on? I know that you've got some some things that you offer to people and I'd like to hear about that. Sure. And so I have a membership for Christian women called The Sisterhood Journey. I have a workshop. Um, it's a five week workshop that I have ongoing. It's a virtual. It's called How to Avoid Falling for a Jerk. It's been written by Dr. John Van Epp. It's a fantastic program. Uh, it's for singles and singles again. And it's so incredibly helpful to help us identify, you know, um, difficult people and differentiate between difficult and toxic but then it also talks about well what is healthy relationship and so it's, it's based on attachment theory it's a beautiful program and I have um, also a, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching as well but I have a um, uh, news uh, newsletter that I send out weekly and it's called the Tuesday 
brew with Anne because I love my coffee. And that's a great <laughs> way <too>. to stay. <laughs> that's a great way to stay in touch with us. And we talk every week. We give communication tips on uh, how to communicate in a way that aligns with your values. And I also have a free gift for your people. Can I offer that lovely. as well? Lovely, yes, like, yeah, okay. lovely. It's called the Seven Day Challenge, and it will help you get ready for your next pivotal conversation. So every day we send out a short video with a simple action step to help you prepare for your next pivotal conversation. And you can pick that up at forbetterforever.com forward slash challenge and that's the numerical number for better numerical number forever.com that's great we're going to link it for them too perfect on all the platforms we make sure the link is there for them so thank you so much that is very kind and i'm glad you've got so much going on Uh, I want to remind our listeners that you can always uh, find out what's going on for me because we record in advance (laughs) at Donalyn.blog. Right now, we do have a joy quiz for you. So this is Where Are You on the Roadmap to Joy? It's fantastic, and it's only, you know, a 10-question quiz. So please take a minute. It's super fun because I believe in that because I like to have fun. And uh, take a minute and do that and really get yourself on the journey to joy. And um, I look forward to seeing you all next time.